the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast. How are you? I'm your host, Nick DiGilio, and uh, you are listening to the Nick D Podcast. It is episode number 41. We're on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, which is the best podcast, podcast network ever. Check out radiomisfits.com. Uh, so many great podcasts to check out here. Great variety. Lots of really cool people. I want to thank Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits for letting me be a part of the family. Hey, uh, we want you to be a part of the Nick D Podcast. That means get your questions, get your comments, get your thoughts, get your feedback. We want to hear from you. We listen to the voicemails. We read the emails. We read many of them on the podcast and share the voicemails on the podcast as well. So leave us your voicemails anytime you want. 773-417-6948. And leave your emails anytime you want. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of... Uh, voicemails, and again, please leave them anytime you want. Uh, we do have a voicemail from one of our podcast uh, listeners slash subscribers slash humans. Hello there. This is Greg. I'm a longtime listener. I just wanted to get – I fell behind on the podcast because I was on vacation, and I was listening to your conversation about the Arby's burger. Well, I can tell you, I happened to drive past an Arby's today, and I was like, I have to try it. It was delicious. It was really good. And I know my burgers because I have had Gus prepare me the Nick D burger at Wiener and Still Champion. So this was delicious. If you get a chance to get one, I would recommend it. Of course, it all depends on who's making it, I'm sure. But the one I had in Johnson Creek, Wisconsin, was delicious. So love the show. Glad to have you guys back. Thanks for everything you do to uh, entertain. All right. Thank you, Greg. Boy, Greg goes way back, talking about Gus uh, out there in uh, Evanston when he used to have the uh, Wiener and Still uh, Champion uh, hot dog joint. He uh, was the, he deep fried everything. Gus used to deep fry everything, and he would deep fry burgers, deep fry gravy. Uh, the man was a maniac, um, and uh, Wiener Still Champion was a wonderful hot dog joint, great place uh, right in downtown Evanston. And, uh, oh, God, right around the corner from uh, Space, where I just saw and, hang out and hung out with Suzanne Vega, who, by the way, was a guest on the podcast. If you missed that incredible interview, one of the best ever that I've ever done, that I've ever been a part of, that I was thrilled with, one of my favorite humans ever, Suzanne Vega. It's episode 37, Suzanne Vega. Check it out. But, yeah, he used to be out there, and he made he, – he was a listener of my old radio show, and he made a, uh, a burger named after me, and it was deep-fried. It was a deep-fried burger – I can't even remember what else was on it, but it was insane. It was like, if you ate half of it, you'd be lucky. Um, but yeah, it was the Nick D burger, and it was actually an official menu item at uh, Wiener and Still Champion. And Greg, my friend Greg here, who just left the voicemail. Boy, you've been around a while, buddy. That was a long time ago when, uh, when we had that Nick D burger. So thank you for listening and being a faithful listener and a faithful subscriber. I, I will let Esmeralda know that you liked the burger 
from Arby's because Esmeralda and I are doing a road trip. And we are specifically going downtown to Arby's to try the Wagyu burger that is being advertised. We have the Ving Rames. So we're going to go down there and uh, chow down on an Arby's Wagyu burger. And Esmeralda and I, we love to talk about food. And uh, we'll do that. Now, Esmeralda's off today, so I will let her know uh, on Friday uh, with, uh, with the uh, podcast number two of the week, which would be show number 42. But yeah, she's off today because today is a For the People podcast. So, Greg, thank you so much for your voicemail. And again, everybody, send us emails and voicemails. Let us know what you think. 773-417-6948, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, Carrie. You're my favorite. I love you, too. All right. As I said, it is a For the People episode. This is the first Tuesday of the month, which means every first Tuesday of every month. We have our two For the People guests. That would be Herb Weisbaum, who is the consumer man, who will answer any and all of your concerns and questions and tell you news stories about what's happening in the world of consumerism, uh, your money, keeping it safe, scams, all that great stuff. Uh, Herb's a great guy. Consumerman.com is his website. And then the other guest that we always have on for, uh, for the People is Tom Appel, and he is our car guy. Consumer Guide Automotive is the publication that he's been working for for many, many, many years. He hosts podcasts and all kinds of cool stuff. Any and all car automotive-related questions and concerns, questions about buying a car, all that stuff. So consumer issues, car issues, all handled for you, for the people. Uh, It is the first Tuesday of the month. So all those questions will be answered and all those topics will be covered on For the People. And also for the people, you know what? The people like to laugh. I like to laugh. My 80-year-old dad loves to tell jokes. He's been a part of my show for 8 million years and a part of my life for all 56, obviously, because he's my father. My dad tells jokes. He'll stop by to tell a joke because Nick's dad tells a joke. All of that is coming up right here on the latest episode of the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And uh, we will say hello to our friend Herb Weissbaum and answer all your questions as we begin, for the people. How about for this? Congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jagoff. Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. Yes. As we kick off yet another edition of For the People... Uh, we always uh, have our first guest here is the great uh, Herb Weisbaum. He is the consumer man, writes for checkbook.org, consumerman.com, and uh, he helps you out with all things money-related, keeping your money safe, keeping you ahead of the scams and all that cool stuff. Herb, welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you? Thanks, Nick. Doing really good. Thank you. Good. The last time I talked to you, 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 you if I remember, you just had gotten over the COVID. 
Yes, and uh, thank goodness everything. It, it was a long haul, about 18 days, even though we took that drug Paxlovid, but doing just fine right now and trying to keep my head down and stay safe. Yeah, well, okay. Very, very cool. My partner uh, on this very uh, on this very podcast, who's with me uh, on every episode, but uh, but for the For the People episode, uh, Esmeralda Leon, um, mm-hmm. had it two weeks ago. She, uh, oh, she started to hear that. Went to a wedding, had it, and she didn't have. Uh, she's you know fully vaxxed and boosted and all that stuff. Sure. And so so she had very you know slight symptoms, nothing more than like what seemed like a kind of a pain in the neck cold. But yeah. obviously, you know, you got to stay in. You got to quarantine, and she was in inside for a while, stuck inside, and uh, so it was a pain in the neck for her. But she's good now, so that's all good. good. Well, I'm say hello to her for me. I love Esmeralda. I will. I'll do that. Good old Esmeralda. She's the best. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Herb, tell everyone where they can uh, read you, hear you, all of that great stuff, helping people out in the world of consumerism. Let's hear it. Sure. I'm a contributing editor at Checkbook.org, which is a nonprofit based in Washington, D.C. that publishes ratings for different services in seven cities across the country, including Seattle and Boston and Minneapolis, St. Paul, there in Chicago, where you are, Nick, Philadelphia, and uh, Washington, D.C. Maybe I forgot one, but I got most of them in there. And uh, we also have a national website, consumer, uh, excuse me, checkbook.org, which anybody can access just the general information. I write a consumer story a week and also host their podcast called Consumerpedia, which is available on all the platforms that have podcasts, or you just go to consumerpedia.org. Right. And we have uh, links when we post uh, the, the episodes up at RadioMisfits.com. And when I post them up on social media, all of those links are there. Checkbook.org, ConsumerMan.com are there as well. And we appreciate uh, that. Yeah, absolutely. Always uh, great and interesting stuff to talk about uh, with you, Herb. I, uh, as I've said millions of times, I learn something um, virtually every single time I talk to you. Um, and it's always very informative and people really appreciate it. And again, uh, for future, if you uh, have questions for Herb, things are uh, you know concerned about scams, consumer issues, email them to us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com, nickdpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail, 773-417-6948. Um, I guess one of the big consumer concerns, and it has been for a while now, um, is uh, gas prices. Um, they are uh, uh, at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, well, I mean, we've had comparable prices before, but if you add inflation, it's around this, it, 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 we've reached this kind of high. I think around 2008, it was kind of close. Uh, uh, we're at record we highs now. now and it's going up every single day. We're now at record territory. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we'll, uh in order to help people save on gas, besides saying, Hey, don't drive as much. What are some of the <laughs> other, what are some of the other ways that you can save on gas, save at the pump? And I know you wrote a piece about this for, uh, in a uh, checkbook. Well, with gas prices being as high as they are, I was wondering, you know, a lot of people might be thinking about getting one of these gasoline credit cards. You always see the sign at the pump or whatever as you're there, you know, get our credit card and save, you know, five, 10 cents a gallon or get so much off of your first many gallons. And I I wondered if that made any sense. So I decided to look into it. And the cards affiliated with gas stations, the basic cards they offer, uh, give you discounts of between three and 10 cents a gallon. Uh, which may sound nice, but in this day and age, with prices as being as, as good as they are, you're going to probably do a whole lot better. I, I, I'm not probably, you will do a whole lot better uh, if you use one of the credit cards, the traditional credit cards, it gives you cash back on gasoline because the best cards give 3 to 5% 
cash back. And that's a lot different than just getting a couple of cents a gallon if you do the percentage based on where the prices are today, uh, you know, with gasoline. So I actually did the math. Well, I had somebody help me with the math. I mean, I went into <laughs> broadcasting because I said, give me a, what can I take in college? I don't need math. Be a broadcaster. I said, there good, go. okay, got it. But anyway, so let's say you do the typical fill up, 15 gallon fill up at $5 a gallon. That's when I did the math. I now in my area, it's almost uh, 550 gallon and in California, it's $7 a gallon in some places. And that's how crazy it is. But anyway, 15 gallons at $5 a gallon and a discount of five cents a gallon would equal 1% savings. If you got the full 10% a gallon from the gas credit card, that would be a 2% savings. Let's translate that into real numbers. So with this example, you'd save 75 cents to a buck 50 on that $75 fill up with that gasoline only credit card. You'd save $3.75 with a credit card that pays 5% cash back. And again, as the percentage, as price of gasoline keeps going up, the spread is going to get even greater between the flat rate and the percentage discounts because the discount goes higher. You know, discount gives you more back as the gasoline prices go higher. So more advice and talking to the experts at uh, places like bankrate.com are if you're going to use a credit card to pay for gasoline and you pay your bills off every month, that's the key. Use a, uh, a card that is a cash back general purpose card and uh, you'll be a lot better off. And that's just and, and there's a how can people differentiate between like how do they know like some people might be like if they've got three or four credit cards, uh, what's the best way for them to do the research if they've not really they don't know, you know, how getting gas or how using that particular card would help them? Are there certain sure. ways that you can you can figure out which card to use amongst the ones that you have? Sure. Well, first of all, if uh, if you get a, if you have a, a Costco uh, credit card uh, or if you have a uh, Sam's Club credit card, you get huge percentages off wherever you go. Uh, you know, you don't have to even buy gasoline from them. They give you the cash back four and five percent, four percent with uh, Costco, five percent with uh, Sam's Club. Basically, oh, and you don't, and you you don't you have to get the ga- you don't have to get the gas there. Wow. Right. Okay. Now with Costco, you got to be you know right. So and if you have to be a member to use their their gas pumps, uh, which uh, which. Um, you know, they're usually the lowest in the area, but not necessarily. Uh, but mm. that's a good place to start if you already are members or if you want to get one of their credit cards. The other thing is uh, with this story, if you go to uh, checkbook.org or my website, consumerand.com, we put uh, some links to some of the best gas credit cards. And believe it or not, some of them, uh, as I said, pay 3 to 5% cash back on gas purchases. And a lot of them with this list, this best list uh, provided to us by WalletHub, uh, there's no annual fee. So uh, you have to have a decent credit score to get these cards, uh, but uh, that's you can do it without an annual fee, which is really nice. The other downside about the gas-only credit cards, the ones that just that we talked about with the percentage of uh, the uh, so many cents off a gallon, is a they may be easier for people to get. You know, in the old days, we used to say if you can't get a credit card, get a retail store credit card, you know, a Macy's credit card or something like that, or a gasoline credit card, because yeah. your standards are a bit lower to get the cards, which That's is That's how I started. I started with yeah. the Montgomery, uh, Montgomery Wards. Montgomery that Ward, was, that right. was my first credit card, yeah. But a good, uh, but the problem is, is that because of that, their interest rates are the highest of any cards out there. So some <laughs> of these rates can be 25% or higher. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, and the average, you know, basic traditional credit card is something like 17%. Now, you don't have to worry about that if you pay it back every month, as you've learned and you should do, but a lot of people don't. So if you're going to Pay, you know, if you're going to pay any interest, by the way, a rewards credit card doesn't make any make any sense. So whatever you pay in interest is going to undo any rewards you get. So these cards are for people who are not going to carry a balance. But again, the best way to go is is with these cards. So that's really nice. 
Now, you also have a, a part of the article that's in Checkbook right now. Again, checkbook.org is where you can mm-hmm. check this out. Uh, Wallet Hub uh, is someone, something, that you've, something that you've hooked up with before. And they actually did, uh, they analyzed like 1,500 credit cards yeah. uh, for their best gas price credit card report. And you have that linked up on the, uh, on the article as well. Tell me a little bit about that uh, study. Yeah, that was the uh, the list I was just telling you about, and they yeah. just uh, they are a, one of a number of sites uh, linked in the article where you can actually find. You know, they go through all these cards and they look at the ones that give you the best cash back rewards, and then they, you can sort them by interest rate or is there an annual fee or no annual yeah. fee. So it's it's fairly easy to do. the The other thing that that I learned in in doing this, which is really interesting, or I I didn't learn, but I wanted to share in the story, I should say, is that and, and talking to the people at Bankrate is if you can stack discounts, just like remember in the old days, we talked about stacking coupons, you know, mm-hmm. coupons on coupons on coupons, and yep. people would go home, you know, the store would pay them for making the purchase or whatever. Right, but, right, yeah. right. But if you can stack and you can do that with gas situations, you can really save. So here's, here's what I do in my area. Um, we have Safeway stores where I live. Uh, and Safeway is now one of the largest, if not the largest, gasoline retailer in the state of Washington, where I mm-hmm. live, because mm-hmm. that's one of their marketing things. It's like get people to the gas stations. They get the points to get a discount on the gas. They go in the store, and it's worked very, very successfully. So when I go to fill up, if I'm at Costco and I, and I don't have enough points from Safeway, I'll fill up at Costco because their price is usually good. But Costco is a 10-mile schlep for me. The, the Safeway is right around the street. I go to Safeway. They are usually 40 to 50 cents a gallon cheaper to begin with than any of the, of the name brand gas stations in my area. So wow. I'm already getting a discount just by going to, to Safeway. And then I use my rewards points, and I usually have saved up enough because, I, A, I have a hybrid, and, B, I'm not driving anywhere anymore. I, I do my work like I'm doing for you for my home office, so I don't need to schlep downtown anymore. And I get a dollar off a gallon. So right now I think it's 503 at Safeway as we talk. I'd pay 403 which is pretty darn good. The station down the street is 545, one mm. of the brand name stations. Mm-hmm. And then I pay with my rewards credit card. And depending on which card I use, I can get between two and four cents, four percent, excuse me, two and four percent back for making that purchase. So that's a triple play. That's about as good as you can do in this day and age. Wow. Wow. Oh. Very well. You got you got it. And, and these are things that you have to be aware of. I mean, you can save money. Uh, yep. You know, at, at this time. And that's what you're making everybody aware of. Now, and, um, fifth, by the way, 1500 credit cards. That's a that's a lot, that's of, credit a lot cards of credit cards that they went <clears throat> through, man. That's a lot. That's a thorough I bet they report. Use an algorithm. I don't think there's a person sitting there. I bet there's some <laughs> kind of algorithm that does it, you know. So, uh, yeah. But by the way, one last thing is that um, some people may have more than one rewards credit card in their wallet. I I have more than one rewards credit card on my wallet. You need to find out, because it's now really important with the price of gasoline, which ones pay the best rewards on the different things you buy. And sometimes it rotates by month. Sometimes it does your top category. But I spoke to a guy uh, who, uh, one one of the credit card experts I spoke to for my story, and he says he's got three cards in his wallet that he and his wife use. And, you know, depending on where they are, uh, they may, uh, you know, use different ones. It's a guy named Bill Hardikoff at Money Crashers, a great guy. And, you know, there may be, if they go to the supermarket, they use one card that gives them more back on groceries. If they go to eat out, they use the one that gives them the most back on restaurants. And if they go to a gas station, they use the one that gives them the most cash back when they, they fuel up. So if you do have more than one credit card that's a rewards card in your wallet, Again, learn how to play the game. Learn which one's going to give you the most cash back. You know, why get 1% cash back when you could get 4 or 5% cash back for that purchase? Because it really does add up over time with how much we're paying for gasoline in these days. 
Sure. Sure. And you want to learn, uh, you know, what each credit card is best for. That's that's mm-hmm. a good thing. That's good knowledge to have, mm-hmm. you know, to, Absolutely. To, you know, which credit card is the one to use in which situation. That's always been a good thing to use, you know, even when there isn't a, a gas crisis in the country. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, yeah. gro- grocery prices are up now, too. So, yeah. uh, you know, as are restaurant prices. So, uh, uh, you know, oh, that was Facebook just telling me a whole bunch of people love me. Thank you. Goodbye, Facebook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're a popular dude, Herb. You're a oh, very popular God. dude. Uh, I don't think so. But anyway, so anyway, <laughs> that's a, a smart thing to do to figure out how to use this for the best uh, for, best for the best gas prices. And, yeah. you know, uh, you know, it's it's summertime now and uh, traveling is going to be, you know, big now. This is like the big, you know, traveling oh, period and people are going to be traveling a lot. Now, I don't know because of gas prices. Maybe road trips are being put on hold this summer. You know, uh, maybe more people would have gone on road trips if gas wasn't, you know, close to six bucks a gallon in some places uh, or whatever. So maybe people are going to be traveling, uh, letting the other people, you know, pay for gas, meaning, you know, I hear hear all the news reports of people say, yeah, it's really terrible. But I'm some people say they're not going to do it, but a lot of people are or they'll just do shorter trips or something like that. You know, they try to make it up in different ways. So, yeah, well, the road trip might not be an option, but a lot of people are going to be traveling this summer. And it really is the first summer that we've kind of felt much freer to go out and to travel than mm-hmm. we have in the past, you know, couple of years or so mm-hmm. because of COVID and because of all the restrictions and the traveling and all that stuff. Now it seems a little bit freer. A lot of people feel better about that. Some people feel much safer about traveling. Uh, it, it, do you have some tips on how people can save money while they're traveling? Um, what, what are some of the best deals that sure. you can find if you're going to be flying or if you're going to be traveling around, uh, you know, the country or the world? Well, we just did the last uh, podcast episode. Consumerpedia.org was all about travel tips. I spoke to our uh, executive editor, Kevin Brassler, who travels a lot and all the time and wants to save money on everything he does. So he was willing to share tips. And we also, he posted it as an article on checkbook.org. First mm. of all, my family from Chicago. I know, are you familiar with that town, Chicago? I've never uh, heard of it. <laughs> they're out <laughs> they, here they, on That's the place where the, this Chicago is the place with the Space Needle, right? No, that's no, where no, your, no. That's where your former producer bought me Giordano's Pizza. <laughs> there my you friend. go. Oh, Giordano's man. Pizza, yes. Uh, and uh, so they're they're out here for a little visit because they're from here and uh, picked them up at SeaTac Airport the other night. And the line to uh, cars waiting to pick people up was several miles long. Oh, yes, the travel God. season, it is berserk. Oh, oh. People are traveling. The planes are packed. The airports oh. are packed. Uh, but here's the deal. The airlines sort of learned when they put too many planes on too quickly uh, during the COVID that they're going to be a little smarter this time. And they also have a pilot shortage. So they're only putting on, you know, so many flights. And that means the seats are really limited and they can that can drive up the prices. They can get more revenue. They're learning that. And that's exactly what they're doing. You really got to be smart uh, about buying uh, airfare this year. Uh, The question that that I asked Kevin was, can you find deals this year? And he says, you still can find deals in some cases, but the key is you've got to be flexible, which was always the case, but it's really the case this year. And that means you've got to be flexible on when you travel. It means you have to be flexible on where you travel. And it means you have to be flexible on what airport maybe you travel to. So for instance, if you're searching prices on one of those search engines, and we can talk about that more later, you know, a lot of times they'll tell you, you could save a hundred dollars a ticket or something. If you traveled on a Tuesday or Wednesday, rather than the, whatever the busy travel day is for that market, maybe a Saturday or Sunday or something like that. If your plans are flexible, 
maybe you can save some money doing that. And if you're staying at a hotel, maybe you can save money on the hotel because it'll be a slower day of the week if that many people aren't traveling. Mm. So that's one flexibility. The second flexibility is what airport? You know, maybe you could save money going to a smaller airport than you could a big airport. I'm just making this up, but maybe, you know, if you went to John Wayne Airport instead of uh, LAX or you went to, you know, one of the, uh, some other airport, you know, BWI instead of going to Reagan National or something like that, you Mm -hmm. might be able to, save money doing it that way it may be worth your while and need to check and then if you're you know kevin's one of those kind of guys our, our executive editor he travels where the deals are you know i, I want to go like for my birthday i wanted to go to the grand canyon I mean, that's where i was gone yeah but he just goes well, okay should we go to france should we go to italy should we go to uh las vegas let's see where the deals are and he has all these alerts set up with all the various travel websites and sees where the prices are and they make their their plans because to go to someplace they haven't gone because the price is really good. Some people who've traveled a lot or maybe older people who are, have more time on their hands, that might be the way to do it. When you see a really good fare to Italy or Germany or England or whatever, maybe hop on that and that's where you decide to go. That's another way to be flexible. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, I've not I've not gone anywhere in a very long time. I don't mm-hmm. travel very often. Um, but I love the idea that it's like, uh, you know, I, at least it's it, I, I think you have to have an agreeable family. The smaller the family, the better if you're going to go that option. You know yep. what I mean? Because yep. nobody's going to agree like, OK, uh, we got a really great deal on Tahoe, but a really terrible deal on, uh, you know, uh, uh, on LA. So we're going right. to Tahoe, you know, I, so, right. uh, and you get a whole family, nobody's going to agree on that, but I think that's an interesting way to, to do it. And I think maybe because if you want to travel, maybe that's a way to prioritize it. You know what I mean? Sure. You pick, pick the place that's cheapest. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, if it was between France and Germany and, and Italy and Greece, maybe you'd be, they'd be amenable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, true. but if it was Camden, New Jersey or Bayonne, New Jersey, or well, I, shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't offend places cause I'll get letters, but anyway, oh, you know, God. we're just joking. I, I, yeah, everybody, we love Jersey. Jersey's yeah, the best. Yeah, the shore. My brother goes to the shore. I grew up on the Atlantic City shore. I, I yeah. love Jersey. Yeah, no, you, you, yeah, you got, you, yeah, New Jersey, yeah. of course. Back when there were planer peanut stores. Now it's like you can't find a peanut to save your life. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what? How? How did that happen, Herb? What, what, what's uh, going on? You know, it's hard to find saltwater taffies. They sort of put them in. There used to be saltwater taffy stores and planer peanut stores. You'd go in and get freshly roasted peanuts. It was yeah. fabulous. I, I, I know I, I'm not a hundred years old. No, you're not a hundred years old. There's wait. There's yeah. no. You, I mean, I mean, it's the the peanut thing I know about, but the saltwater taffy thing that goes hand in hand with Jersey. Yeah. How how do you, how do they not? Ha- I mean, that to me when oh, I they think- have it. They have yeah. it, but they've consolidated into one or two things now, or it's in the it's part of a store that sells the t-shirts and all the other products. Uh, so, uh, you know, they used to be these great stores. Yeah. That's all they do to make the saltwater yeah. taffy. You know, right so there, now it's it's, it's it's not as easy to find saltwater taffy if you go to... Or it's not as funny. You used to see them pulling it on the machines yeah. and the whole routine, and that was part of the whole experience when you were a kid. Now it's like, what do you want? What, what bin do you want to go in? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? Well, you want some peanuts? Go ahead. They're over there. They're in a yeah, package. Right, yeah. Just go, yeah, go yeah, grab it. three weeks ago. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're thinking, you know, yeah, but I want some saltwater. T- I'll give you something to pull on. Get out of here. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. fine. By the way, uh, one, one more tip that Kevin shared that I think is really, and we could talk more, but I think this is really, really important to share. Yeah. Is yeah. yeah. Right now, because of COVID, uh, the airlines have gotten rid of one of the most annoying things that were part of air travel, which was the change fee. Uh, and, and that's great because that could be, you know, $200 a ticket or something like that. So if you see a really good fare to someplace you think you might want to go 
and you're not really 100% sure, buy it, snag it, and put it on your credit card or whatever. And then if you change your mind, you can, uh, right now, you can change your ticket and you won't have to pay that annoying change fee. Ah. That's something that was a, one of the few really good things uh, that took place because of COVID. So that's something to keep in mind. But the other thing is that don't wait too long because my wife and I are getting very close uh, to booking our tickets to Hawaii and we're not going until December. But because it's the busy travel season for Hawaii, if we wait too long, we'll get on the plane, but we'll get center seats. And that's a five and a half hour flight. And I do not want a center seat. So because of the planes being as full as they are, if you wait too long, you may wind up getting a horrible seat on that plane. So it's got to be that cost benefit analysis. You know, do you, you and and, and with planes filling up, if you're on a route when it's filling up, the price is not going to go down the closer you get to the flight. Uh, It's going to, it's, it's probably only going to go up. So, so that's the one thing to consider. The other thing, and this is critically important, the best price on the plane is called basic economy. So when you go to the search engines or when you go to the websites for the airlines, It'll say that it'll say basic economy, economy, and then they may have a business premium class and then a, a, a first class. And the the uh, the premium the um, basic economy is always going to be the cheapest. Keep in mind what that means. You are getting that cheap price because you basically get nothing except a seat on the airplane. You don't get to pick the seat on the airplane. You don't get to check any luggage on the airplane. You uh, may, in some cases, may not even be able to do carry on baggage on the airplane. Uh, if you're a family travel, traveling together, they will put you wherever there's a seat on the plane. You may all be separated. Odds oh. are you are going to get that middle seat. And this is the key. There is no refund. This is the one fare that there is no refund on that fare. You know, the change fees and all that, nothing got removed. At this, They're all put back yeah. on the basic economy fare. So, yeah, you may save a little bit of money. And if it's the make or break, whether you go on this trip or not, or you're going by yourself or somebody else, another adult who you don't care if you're sitting with them, that might be the way to go. But I got to tell you, there's a lot of people, a lot of complaints because people do not understand what it means. It is basic economy. Basic Basic. economy. So you might want to weigh the pros and cons. And sometimes the cons outweigh the pros. And if you look, they'll, they'll tell you what this means. Like this seat comes with, or this seat doesn't come with them. You need, or, you know, Google, what does basic economy mean on this airline? Um, The other thing, by the way, is uh, I always, and you can do a lot of stuff on search engines and, you know, there's a lot of great search engines, kayak.com and, and uh, you can go to, uh, you know, um, Google flights and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And you can mm-hmm. go through the, the online travel agencies, you know, uh, Travelocity and all these kind of things. I use them to look for the good fares or to compare airlines or to compare where I might want to go. I always, this is just my thing. And Kevin said the same thing with him almost always as well. Book with the airline. You're, you're, uh, the, I, w- I have never found a case where the flight is cheaper on because they don't do that for these sites it's not cheaper on these search sites it's the same price that it is with the airline you might get a cheaper deal if you do a package and put it all together but then that's not it's a package so you're getting the whole deal of the overall price might be cheaper but if you're like just booking airfare uh you're going to get the best deal on the airline and i want if there's a problem I want to have it's between me and Alaska Airlines, me and Delta Airlines, me and American yeah, yeah. Airlines. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want it between me and Joe Bob's travel agency or even yep. me and Expedia or Travelocity because I don't know who to complain to and who's going to help me. 
Yeah, you know, um, you, it's it's easier to have that third party gone than your right or pointing, not even gone, but pointing fingers. It's like, I mean, that's what happened during the pandemic. It was like the the, the online travel site goes, oh, it's their problem. And the airline goes, it's their problem, and mm. you're stuck without your money for three or four or five months. Right. Have to make exchange. I yeah. just want to have to deal with that. So, but, but uh, you can't. But you right. you can't you can use those websites, the Expedia and the Travelocity, just to 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 search for the the best value, the best ticket, the best yes. price. Yes, that but just remember, it. as we've just remember, as we've reported many times before, and it's also on Kevin's uh, tip here, which we have up on the website: sixty strategies for finding the best travel deals and avoiding trouble. Most of these search engines—I uh, don't know how else to say it—they lie. You know, they will tell you there's only two seats left, or there's only one room at this yeah. the, the, yeah, one yeah. of the. And what we found out was like, yeah, because the one they displayed was the basic room, but it was the one and only handicap accessible room left at that hotel. But you could still get 20 other rooms at the exact same price that mm. weren't handicap accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they just make up things like there's only one seat left at this price. Or, t- uh, you know, you got to be really careful of the pressure tactics that a lot of these uh, search engines and sites use, because in many cases, that's that's not the case. The one last thing that's of interest, we, I find out a lot of things like you do, researching these stories. I learn a lot as well. Um, you may get a better price, believe it or not, if you search for two separate airfares than if you do for like flying with two people. Uh, because if the airline is almost at the end or at the end of the seats in that price category and you it's got one seat left, I mean, it truly legitimately has one seat left in that price category. Um, mm-hmm. And you book for two, they'll give you two at the the what the higher because they don't have two at the lower. And if you book two separate tickets, like if you're doing it together right back to back, you might not always going to say, but you might get one at a little lower price and one at another price. Uh, that's just one other way to try to, to game the system if you feel like trying that kind of thing. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how uh, the the travel season goes here. You know, um, and and you know what people do to to, to travel. It'll be interesting to see. I, I I'm I'm wondering. I'm interested now to see how your whole Hawaii thing goes at this yeah. point. Um, yeah. and, and you're planning. You're you're planning now, even though you're not leaving until December. Right, right. The big thing I think is going to be uh, with the summer is, I mean, the prices are up and they're going up and people seem to be willing to pay. You know, the thank God the American economy is still running because people are doing fairly well. Believe it or not, most people, and there are obviously people who are suffering, but most people after the pandemic, because of all the action that the Biden administration and Congress took to get money into the economy, uh, you know, things are going really well. Unemployment is down and companies are doing up and people are spending. Uh, so people seem, I haven't traveled, I want to go, I'm going to pay for these tickets. Maybe I'll yeah. cut back on something else. Yeah. Um, but the key is going to be how the airlines handle all the bad weather this summer and the problems. I mean, they are running lean and mean, and I can't emphasize that enough. And we already saw the problems earlier this year with Alaska Airlines and some with Delta Airlines. You know, they've supposedly fixed these problems with reducing their flights, which, by the way, is going to drive prices up even more when you knock out flights, 10% of your flight load. That's going to bring the other tickets back a higher price. But if there's a big thunderstorm or some storm system over some major airport, uh, they just don't have the capacity to put more planes, more pilots, as they did in the past to try to correct the situation. I mean, you you could get wind up stuck stuck in an airport for a couple of days until they can get you out there. And I'm not over. I'm not exaggerating. That could really be the situation. So uh, that's yeah. Just, no, I had a, I, I had a I had a friend uh, who uh, actually traveled here and then had to go back to uh, had to go go back to Oregon mm-hmm. uh, and was stuck. Uh, I can't remember where the layover was. Stuck where the layover was for a day and a half. Mm, yeah, 
Yeah, uh, that's not uncommon. That was, just, now. that was just two weeks ago. You know, so right. it's, it's happening. Right. Or there are people who, but believe it or not, they'll rent a car and drive six hours because they got to get there for an appointment or something yeah. like that. I mean, there's a, yeah. there's a, by the way, congratulations. You said Oregon, right? Oh, well, yeah. Most, yeah. most people back east say Oregon. No, 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 no. Come on. Good for you, Nick. That's like well, someone you're a saying, kind of guy. That's like someone saying Illinois. That would make me right. nuts if that. if that. Although well, it's really say, weird because it's Illinois. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah. No, I was going to say when I went to col- where I went to college was Syracuse University. And I hear a lot of people go Syracuse. No, oh, no. no. Syracuse. No, no, the no. Man, that stuff makes me nuts. It really does make me nuts. Um, uh, th- there are certain things that there, there are certain of those things that make me, this is a whole different topic, but you know what makes me completely nuts, Herb, when I hear people huh. say it, it's what? not the, it's not, not the pronunciation of a city or a state or a place. It's when someone says I could care less. It makes me uh, absolutely uh, nuts. Right. Because it's, right. I couldn't care right. less. Right. Uh, right. That's uh, just one of we my... have a lot of uh, Native American names out here, as we did when I lived in Syracuse, and yeah. they gave me a pronouncing test. You know, when I started the radio station out here. Oh, oh, you... they did. <laughs> yeah, and I'll give you this one because because they they don't sound like they're spelled. We're, I know we're totally digressing, but yeah, that's is... all right. Go ahead. Uh, pronounce this one. Something happened today in the town of S E Q U I M. S E Q U I M. S E Q U I M. Sakim. Well, that's what I, I said. Sequim, right? Uh, yeah, I, I thought squim. maybe this, squ, it's squim. It's so squim. The, so the e is just not pronounced at all. Yeah, it's squim. See, and right. I was going with q u sounding like a k. Right. That's how I was going. So that was a mistake. Right. I, it, it makes no. Some of it just makes no sense. It, it, some of it is just lazy. Like for instance, our 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 state is obviously you know we got the s on the end. It's Illinois. Okay. Right. And yeah. yet we have a suburb here that we call Desplaines. We pronounce yes. the S, and right. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know why. <laughs> right. Why it's not the planes? I don't. Know, right. I don't understand that. But it's just planes. Right. So well, here's a better know. one. We yeah. have D E S M O I N E S. Des Moines. Well, it's Des Moines or it's Des Moines. And every couple of years, the newspaper does an article. What are we calling it this year? <laughs> because the the original people said it's Des Moines, and the other people says say it's got an S. It's Des Moines. Yeah. And it's like, if you're in broadcasting, what do you do? You stick yeah. your finger up and take the, the wind direction? Well, you, you can know. never – You can. I'll tell you something, Herb. Uh, having done you know talk radio for the many, yep. many years that I have, you always will have someone complain. That's of just course. that's That's just the case that you know yeah, how that goes. Here's one you, and then I will leave the topic. Here's one yeah. you never do. You know the guy that says you can prevent forest fires? Yeah, that's Smokey Bear. Right. If Not you Smokey say Smokey the Bear, yeah. your phones will light uh, up. Yep. Yep. Oh, I know. I absolutely know that. Yeah, it's Smokey Bear. And a lot of people go, no, it's not. It's Smokey the Bear. And I'm like, no, it's Smokey Bear. Trust me. Smokey Bear. Yep. Smokey Bear. Okay. Uh, that's fun. All right. Well, anyway, good luck on the traveling, everybody. Now. Well, thank you. Hey, uh, Nick, one, one last thing before yeah. we leave travel. I just yeah, want yeah, to yeah. share this. If yeah, you're yeah. looking to find, if you, you know, if you if you have flexibility, there's a there's a, a newsletter that we really like, really really like, and we've spoken to them before. It's called Scott's Cheap Flights, and it's a newsletter. And they just published. There's a there is a guy named Scott. I, I was just going to say, is it just some guy named Scott? Yeah. No, but it's really <laughs> Scott, and he sends alerts about international airfare deals several times a week, where he just finds some specific deals for whatever reason. Some airlines doing a promotion, they're kicking off a new airport, something going on. So Scott'sCheapFlights.com. It's something, and you can also get alerts from uh, several other websites: AirfareWatchdog.com, 
theflightdeal.com, yeah. travelpirates.com. But that's a way. And also, if you sign up to these search sites, you can ask them to send you alerts, and they'll let you know if the ticket price you bought goes down in price. So you can use the Internet in a lot of ways to really make your life better when you're traveling. Okay. Make sure you use that uh, smartly and, and, and check out Scott's, what's it called again? Scott's house? Scott's what's cheap flights. Oh, Scott's, Scott's cheap flights. <laughs> Scott's cheap flights. Okay. Um, we have to get to robocalls. Uh, Absolutely. Because they're on the rise. And I, I just want to mention this as we, as we jump into this topic um, about robocalls, you wrote again, wrote a big piece about it in checkbook because they're on the rise. And I can tell you personally that they're on the rise, at least from the point of view of my parents. I was at my parents' Uh, mm-hmm. house as i Hi, as i as i as i do on weekends i spend uh my parents are uh, are are getting up there in age so i spend yep. friday night and saturday night with my folks every week um and hang out with them and cook and all kinds of cool stuff and i noticed that their phone was ringing off the hook this weekend yeah um and it you know they have the id thing so it pops up scam or not scam but it pops up spam mm-hmm. spam call spam call spam. and they've got uh, this just this past couple of days, they had more spam calls in the past two days than I had experienced while visiting them in like a, 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 in a couple of months, easy wow. months. Uh-huh. And but for some reason, just this past weekend, spam call after spam call after spam call. Now they got screened because they have the spam alert. Mm-hmm. Um, but I noticed a huge increase, and my parents are telling me, yes, every day now there seems to be more and more spam calls that are getting in, and so clearly these robocalls and these spam calls are on a rise. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic affected businesses all across the globe, including the people who try to rip us off over the telephone. Um, but, uh, you know, now the boiler rooms are up and running again. They're getting the people back, uh, making the calls and, and dealing with all this kind of stuff. And um, I spoke to the folks at Nomo Robo, Aaron Foss, who started, it's a good friend of mine, about eight uh, years or so ago. He won the Federal Trade Commission's contest to f- try to find a way to stop these calls and started a company called Nomo Robo. And yeah. he estimates that about 29, 30 percent of the calls, so Almost a third of the calls that are coming on U.S. telecommunications networks right now are robocalls. So that gives you some idea. We, we used to be closer to 40 percent, so we're edging up. But it just uh, gives you some idea of uh, what a problem yeah. it is. And, uh, you know, the fraudsters, they love it because it's cheap. They can reach the victims anywhere in the world. Uh, they can use Internet telephone technology to spoof their calls. You know, that caller ID, they can make it say, uh, you know, IRS or Medicare or Social Security or, you yep. know, Chase Bank or whatever they want it to say in, in many cases. Yep. And um, it's just, uh, you know, 7.6 billion robocalls were sent to U.S. phone numbers in April, according to RoboKiller. Uh, that's Jeez. nearly 22 spam calls for every person in the country. Isn't that crazy? And the losses from these calls are put at more than $30 billion. Um, it's probably much, much higher than that because most people don't report it. I mean, not every robocall is a scam. We want some of them. I want to know when my flight's delayed. I want to know, don't forget your dentist appointment. I want to know your prescription drug is is at yep. the pharmacy ready to pick up. So yep. robocalls by themselves are not bad. It's when you want them or allow them. It's the ones that they're using uh, to to try to rip you off. And what I was able to do from Nomo Robo and AARP Fraud Watch Network is get some of the biggest that I want to play for your for your listeners and talk yeah. about them a little bit. So yeah. let's start with the one uh, where I got and I got this one the day I was writing the story, believe it or not. No kidding. Uh, it was supposedly Amazon not calling me. Let's oh, take okay. a listen to that. OK. An unauthorized purchase of an iPhone XR 64 gigabytes for seven hundred forty nine dollars is being ordered from your Amazon account. To cancel your order or to connect with one of our customer support representatives, please press 1 or simply stay on the line. So this is very similar 
to a lot of robocalls using the scare or fear tactic. Con artists have learned that when they scare you, even a rational person will do stupid things, do what they want them to do, give up personal information because right. just you know, they get us more distracted, we get afraid, sure. you get that sure. call, oh my God, somebody's going to run up my bill or hack my account or whatever. Uh, or even if you don't have an Amazon account, maybe a crook started one of my name and, and something's going on. This was low, by the way. I've gotten ones for like, that's $1,400, $3,000 are charging to your account. Hmm. Uh, and these also come as emails and spam texts uh, as well. Spam texts, by the way, are an even bigger problem uh, than spam robocalls because people tend to respond to texts. I, I, anyway, uh, I, I get those. I get those. I, I, I can yeah. say personally that I get the well, spam texts and I immediately uh, just delete them and do not click yeah. at all. Yeah, so. but obviously a lot of people are not. Uh, so you call up and, and what you'll get is somebody who will tell you they're with Amazon and we need to take care of this and they'll, they'll try to get personal information out of you. Let's make sure we verify your credit card. We need the PIN number. Let's make sure we get your Amazon account. Mm-hmm. Whatever they're looking for, they're going to get your personal information so they can help you. In some cases, some of these, Nick, are so complicated that I have to do it on a whiteboard. But basically, they convince you that somehow you've got to let them like put some money in your bank account and then you've got to transfer money back into their bank account in order to prove that you're legitimate. I mean, and, you know, the longer they keep you on the line, the more they're going to suck you in. And that's why if you ever get one of these calls, don't respond. If you're silly enough to respond, hang up right away because the longer they keep you on. But that's how that's how crazy these or they can. Yeah, let me make it easy, easier for you, Mr. Julio. I'll, I'll get on your computer and I'll do all the work for you. Let me yeah. get into your Amazon app. Yeah, yeah. You know, who knows what the hell they're doing once you're, you never let anybody into your computer kind yeah. of thing. So and that's you know, the big, the big it, one going and, around right now. And you know, Herb, as we mentioned before, we talked about this a lot. There's a lot of they really prey upon fear, and a lot of mm-hmm. people, a lot of people, when they get these calls or these texts or these things like that, as you mentioned before, it's a, it, it's 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 a very stressful situation if you think that your your money has been stolen, if mm-hmm. you think you've lost money, it's very mm-hmm. stressful, and it's very mm-hmm. and people are frightened of that, and just you know, be aware that they're going to take advantage of that fear. Oh, absolutely. Just stop, take a breath. And I want to give this number and I'll give it out once again. The good folks at the AARP Fraud Watch Network, if you get a call and you're not sure, give them a call. You can or, or send them an email, but you can actually talk to someone and they'll tell you, no, that's the Amazon scam. Don't worry if it puts your mind at ease, because a lot of people just want to put their mind at ease. You yeah. know, you can't really call Amazon. You could go online at your account and see if there's any problem. If you don't have an account, I guess you could find out you don't have an account, but it's not like you can just pick up the phone and talk to somebody. But you could talk to these people because they know about all these frauds. And I'll, I'll give you the number, Nick, and I'll say it later and, yeah. and as well as well. But it's 877 908 3360. So before you provo- if you get a call, an email, a text, anything you're not sure of and you're not sure what to do, stop, disengage and contact the AARP Fraud Watch Network. There's nothing, nothing in this world that you have to do instantaneously when it comes to one of these calls, texts or right. emails. Nothing. If they tell you the cops are coming to your house to arrest you, they're not. It doesn't work that way. So okay. call them and talk to them 877-908 3360. They are wonderful people, and you don't need to be an AARP member to use this service. It's a public service. They will talk to you no matter what. So please, they said, please reach out. We'd rather save you the grief than have you contact us later and say, what do I do? Because the answer is usually going to be, there's nothing you can do, sir. You just gave me your credit card number. You got to you know, so the other one I wanted to play for you is probably one of the longer ones that have gone around. I mean, there's they the ones for Social Security scam and the Medicare scam. They just basically never go away. Um, they tell you that your account has been compromised and you got to do something right away. It's the same thing like with Amazon. It's the same right. pitch. Like, and they want. But this one, I, I first report on this probably 
I think I did the first story in this 10, 12, 15 years ago, and it's still going around. Why don't you play the call, Nick? And uh, which one is this one? Now? Oh, this one is the uh, the uh, that you have a warranty. Your warranty's okay. expired. All right, here we go. Hello, this is Linda from Dealer Processing. To give you one last courtesy call to let you know that based on our records, the factory warranty is expired on your vehicle. Is that right? Okay. No, and leave me alone and don't ever call again. <laughs> um, I've talked to people who don't have cars and have gotten these calls. <laughs> I've had people with 12-year-old cars that have gotten these calls so that the warranty is well out of warranty. Um, the, you know, these are just random calls that are trying to get you to buy a warranty with this third-party company uh, or just steal your money. I mean, in some case, if you're lucky, and how's this for, if you're lucky, you'll wind up actually getting a warranty that's crappy. How's that for being, if you're unlucky, <laughs> to steal your credit card number. Um, uh, I've gotten that. I don't, I don't, yeah. I haven't owned a, I haven't owned a car in 20 years and I've gotten calls right. like that. Yep. Right. Yeah. So yep. that's, like I said, the bad case scenarios will steal your credit card number and build stuff to your account. The good, the good case scenario is they're <laughs> going to give you a, a, a warranty that you can't use for anything. And it's not good at all. So, <laughs> Get one. And please yeah. say to you, if you want to get off of our, if we've called you by mistake and you want to get off the line, please either push to or stay uh -huh. online and talk to your customer service agent. Please don't do that uh, because if you engage, they're going to try to get you hooked and they don't have a do not call list. They are criminals, absolute mm -hmm. criminals. They won't listen to anything you say. So do not interact now, with them in any way, shape or form. The next uh, robocall that we have here, I've listened to this one. I've listened, I listened to all three of them, but this one. Yeah. Uh, I find I don't know why I find this one so unbelievably hilarious. I find I find this one very amusing. Can you set this uh, this sure. next one up? Because the, I guess the, pres the president is calling people now. Yeah, this is a call that people are actually getting, <laughs> and this was during the, a couple of months ago that they actually won the publisher's clearing sweepstakes. So hail to the chief! Here we go. All right. Good day. This is Joe Biden, the forty-sixth president of the United States of America. This call that you're receiving was requested by Roman Powers with the Publishers Clearing House. Trust me, I understand that due to this time of the pandemic, you may be skeptical about this news, and you may be saying that this is too good to be true. Okay, it's too good to be true, Joe. <laughs> I see. Was that is Fred Travelina now making phone calls? What's uh, what's going on? <laughs> What's no, the reason <laughs> the reason I wanted you to play that is because it's actually really scary. I mean, that's a bad Joe Biden, but it sort of sounds like Joe Biden. Kind of. Yeah. That is yeah. not an impersonator. That is an uh, that is a computer. That is uh, that is A.I. That is computer technology that was given words that sampled Joe Biden's speeches Amazing. and figured out how to talk like Joe Biden. That's where we are in the state of of, uh, of making things appear like then spoofing and faking things. Give him another year. And it will sound like Joe Biden or they'll be able to pull clips off of of uh, your podcast and have it. This is Nick D. Congratulations. You just won my contest or whatever they want to have. Uh, and it will sound exactly like the person. Uh, this is really scary, sophisticated technology that you see how sophisticated these criminals are. They're, they're using this technology. They have a system now, Nick. And I found out about this where if you get a call. And instead of hearing the boiler room, which may give you a signal, you know, he, when it first clicks on, you hear all that noise in the background and everything, you know, it's a computer, you know, one of those calls. Yeah. They have a system where the phone is interacting with a computer screen and the person is literally just pushing buttons with pre-recorded things from this nice, friendly guy or lady, uh, depending on which the, what they want to have, that will tell you what they want to say. So I might go, hi, this is Charlie. How are you all? And then they know by doing social engineering that on your website, 
uh, you like to ride horses because you live in Montana. Hey, I'm a horseback rider, too. But, you know, you're paying too much for insurance. I want to talk to you about this. Or, you know, a nice, friendly woman was. Hi, this is uh, Barbie. I want to talk to you about something. And they know it's Nick DiGiulio in Chicago, you know, and they'll they'll yeah. do the pitch. And then if you respond, say, Are, is this a scam? And they'll push it. No, this isn't a scam. Oh, Paul, man. I'm really here. I'm, yeah. I'm interested in buying your house because the real estate market in Chicago is just so hot right now. Mm. You can make a lot of money. So there's no call center noise. And they have all these pre-recorded things. It's like the man behind the curtain and the Wizard of Oz. They can make all this happen. It's not just... These are not just people th- shooting darts and hoping for the best. These yeah. people really know what they're doing, and they're getting smarter and learning. Every time there's a failure, they're learning more and more how to do it. So, uh, The piece that you wrote in Checkbook, people can uh, can check that out. There's uh, a lot of advice and, 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 and ways to keep safe from that, but they're still here. And, it's, and Joe Biden's not going to call you. I, 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 I <laughs> He's not going to call you. Especially to tell you that you won the, the publisher's clearinghouse. <laughs> Joe Biden's not going to, you know. So you got a better chance of Ed McMahon calling you at that point, and he's yeah, dead. Yeah, he's dead, but that's right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. What are we? Uh, what are we working on? Uh, what are you working on next that you're going to un- unleash upon uh, upon us uh, that we all want to see? I'm actually working on a very interesting story that's going to go up in the next day or two, um, and that has to do with Discover Bank. You know, usually the stories I do are are taking the credit card companies and the bank to task. Uh, I'm going to give them an attaboy. Discover has just launched a brand new service for its customers, either Discover Card or Discover Bank, where they will free and almost instantaneously uh, erase your data from 10 of the biggest people search sites in the country, you know, like Spokio or Zaba Search or Yellow Pages yeah. or Anywho yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And for some people, it's creepy. And for some people, if you happen to be, unfortunately, a, a victim of domestic abuse or being stalked, you don't want that information so easily accessible. I signed up for it. I put it to the test, and it actually works. And you can find all about it. It'll be up on uh, checkbook.org and consumerman.com uh, probably two days from now. But all it's right. fascinating how well this worked, and it's for free. So that's really, really cool. There you go. Check out the consumerman.com, checkbook.org. Herb, it's always a pleasure, and we will talk to you on the uh, first Tuesday of next month, my friend. Thanks, Nick. It's a highlight of my month, and you take care. All right, buddy. See you later. Herb Weissbaum, everyone, uh, he is the best. And, uh, hey, For the People continues. You got uh, questions about cars. You got a car-related automotive question. We're going to talk cars and talk uh, automotive stuff with our good friend Tom Appel for Consumer Guide. Let's hear Tom's theme. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about costumes. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive with Tom. And his last name, Appel. Oh. It's the czar of cars. The Sultan of Cylinder, Tom Apparel. Apparel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we always love to welcome Tom Appel to the For the People episode, uh, which is always the first episode of uh, the month, or the first, uh, yeah, the first episode of the month, which would be the first Tuesday. And uh, it's For the People. And uh, Tom uh, from Consumer Guide Automotive. How are you, Tom? I am well, thank you. Good, good. Always great to have you on, my friend. Uh, as always, been busy. Yeah, we're crazy busy here all the time, and and for whatever reason, Toyota just decided to to, to upload, download everything about their 2023 vehicles in four days. It's been crazy. Oh man. Okay. All right. Well, I hope that the, I hope that doesn't uh, really screw things up for you. But anyway. Uh, tell everybody about Consumer Guide Automotive. 
Yeah, we review everything new. Uh, you can check us out at consumerguide.com. If you're not looking for a car or truck, that's okay because we like to have fun with car stuff. So from consumerguide.com, you can find our blog where we do all sorts of silly stuff with what's going on in car culture. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and uh, they can uh, check out the uh, blog, and that's all yeah. available at Consumer Guide Automotive and then slash whatever you want to get to there. Or... Yeah, just go to consumerguide.com. Everything's right there. Okay, consumerguide.com. Yeah. Uh, I always ask you because, you you know, every time we talk, it's once a month. So what have you been driving lately? What's out there right now for you to step into and drive later today? Uh, I finally drove the Ford F-150 Lightning. This is, this is Ford's much-anticipated all-electric pickup truck. And, and all I can say is believe the hype. Really? This is an amazing vehicle. It is, it is so much better because it's electric. It is quieter. It is smoother. It is faster. It is more efficient. Unfortunately, it's also more expensive. Uh, but other than that, very impressive. And uh, is it the, I would imagine that now, because of what's going on with uh, with gas prices, the interest in electric cars is spiking. Have you been hearing that? Is that the thing on the street? Are people going, Tom, I think I got to switch over to electric because I can't do six bucks a gallon? That is happening, and and it's resulted in enormous markups on some of the new electric vehicles. I bet, yeah. I figured that yeah. was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Hyundai Ioniq 5 and the Kia EV6, and those vehicles are related because they share a parent company, uh, really excellent electric vehicles just on the market now. Dealer markup is about twenty grand on each oh. of those right now. Yeah, it's wow. brutal. Brutal. Wow. Wow. No shame, really. No. And don't wow. do that. Don't pay twenty grand over sticker. Just <laughs> don't do that. Do we really need to tell people not, not to do that? Is that Someone is doing it. That's the scary part. People are doing it. Now it's a, um, it's a terrible idea. When was the last time we had? I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't remember gas prices ever being this high. But I remember they got close to five bucks around two thousand eight ish. Yeah, that was the last time that I remember them being this close to this high a gallon. Yeah, I think if you factor in a decade's worth of inflation, we're right about there. Yeah, and I remember that. I mean, obviously, you know, the the, the legendary gas crises that we had in the seventies, uh-huh. uh, which were nuts. Um, and uh, you know, people, did you ever wait in line for gas, Tom? That's I never asked you that question. Have you ever had to wait in line for gas? Yeah, we moved out to Palatine in 1973, and that was right oh, around man, the time. Right then, yeah, that's, yeah, that's headlong into it. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first embargo, and there was a gas station down the street from us that there was lines, and I think they were doing every other day based on license plate number, and for a while they were limiting people to $5 worth of gas. It was crazy. That's nuts. I do remember that, though. I have a, I have a memory that you and I are around the same age. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I have, I have memories of that, of that happening. But, yeah, every other day limiting to license plate. Could you imagine if, people tried, if, if gas stations tried to do that now? People would go nuts. Yeah, <laughs> no one, no one would put up with that now. No way! Are you kidding me? That's that would be completely nuts. Um, but yeah, I remember you know gas prices you know shooting up in the gas the gas issues uh, of, uh, of the seventies. But what is it? So like a, uh, like cars now? What are people paying? Like okay, like your the regular cars that you and your and your family have right now. What uh-huh. do you throw? What how much are you throwing into the gas tank? Let's say a week. Wow, my wife drives a Subaru Crosstrek, which is an excellent vehicle, and she's probably getting right around 30 miles per gallon. She works from home, so we're not really throwing money into that car. Yeah. My daughter, on the other hand, drives a very used Nissan Juke, 
And for some reason, she's spending 30, 40 bucks a week on gas. I have no idea why. Where's she going? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And she just graduated, am I right? Are we right about she that? She did, yeah. And okay, she just started a job, so we'll see where uh, her, if her gas usage continues to climb. Good for her. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and uh, so we get we got more car stuff to talk to. I did find an article here that I found interesting that I thought I'd throw a few of these at you uh, today and then maybe on a different visit, uh, on another visit, we can do it, uh, more of them. But I do have the article is common car questions that you're terrified to ask. So I thought <laughs> you, you, are, you are one of the least terrifying people I know that you are always happy to answer any and all car questions. So I thought I'd throw a couple of the car questions that people are afraid to ask at you. All right. Okay, but before we do that, before we get to all the car stuff, and we've got uh, topics and, and subjects that you guys have covered at Computer Guide Automotive and some of the stuff that you did in the blog we want to get to as well. Um, but uh, you, speaking of your daughter, I saw a picture of you and your family and your daughter at Oddities and Curiosities. You guys went on kind of a trip up there to Wisconsin. Uh, I've always been fascinated by that place and always been you know, uh, wondering how it was. And you, you posted some stuff online uh, about that trip. Tell me a little bit about that before we jump into car stuff. Yeah, we went to visit, and this is a floating show, and it's been in Chicago. It's been in Rosemont. We've attended one locally before. So this was our second Oddities and uh, Curiosities Expo. Uh, It was a one-weekend show this year, but it was largely pre-COVID in feel, which was nice. But it is the strangest collection of people selling the strangest collection of stuff with some live entertainment that that doesn't really help anything. But it seems to be an excuse for people who used to be seriously goth to return to their heritage. And there there were there were black faced or black haired, white faced women wearing shorts and fishnet stockings everywhere. It was It was a weird look then, and it's a weird look now. It also makes me feel old. I got to tell you, Tom, that is that I have a real, real weakness for that look. Yeah, it's pretty good. Man, I got to tell you, I love goth women. Oh, I mean, yeah, the pale, the black lipstick, the eyeliner, the whole, the whole thing. I mean, one of my favorite wrestlers, one of my favorite professional wrestlers right now in WWE is Rhea Ripley, and she sports that look to the hilt. And I, you know, I, I go to um, the flashback uh, weekend horror convention every year, uh-huh. and I'm a, I'm a host there, which I will be uh, this year as well, August 5th through the 7th at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, and I'll be a host and moderating Q&As, and I'm amongst my, that's a, I'm amongst my tribe there. That's when the, <laughs> that's when the, that's when the, the real horror geek fanatic maniacs come out and spend a whole weekend just hanging out, and man, the goth ladies come out in full for that weekend makes me very, very happy. So uh, I should probably visit this place if I if I like the goth ladies. Yeah, I don't know when it's coming back to Chicago, but it probably is soon. And what else? What else is there to do besides just uh, just now? Did you buy anything? Did you guys uh, purchase anything while you were there? Yeah, my daughter bought a preserved cat embryo, which is nice. That's in a jar, <laughs> and several skulls. Okay. All right. I think I think your daughter's cool. I've only met her once. I've only met her one time, and I think she's cool as hell. Uh, so that's awesome. Okay. So the curiosities and the oddities. It's 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 where the goth people have gone. If you were wondering where they all were, I found them. <laughs> you, f- <laughs> you found them. All right. Uh, besides uh, this incredible car that you were that you just gave a rave review. What else have you been driving? What else has been the talk of the uh, office at Consumer Guide car wise? 
I just drove something. I'm not a huge fan of the plug-in hybrid, and largely because I think it's very heavy and kind of complicated, and I don't believe that people actually plug them in. But that said, I just drove the Volvo XC60 Recharge, which is a plug-in hybrid, with an extended battery. This is new for 2022. So it goes about 35 miles on a charge. And if you actually bother to plug it in, um, you almost use no gas. And my commute's about 34, 35 miles. So over the weekend, I used no gas, which was kind of nice. At this time, sure. Wow, that's great. Well, so, okay, if that's the case... Why don't people plug them in? I mean, is it, is it a case of not being able to find a place to plug them in? Or, or what's the reason? I mean, if you're not going to spend any money on gas, I'd have that damn thing plugged in every time possible. Yeah, that's a good question. And it is a hybrid, and it'll work just fine if you don't plug it in. And I think that people just don't get into the habit of doing it. Additionally, you should get a level two charger for your house, the same thing you would get for a pure electric vehicle. And I'm not sure people commit to that. I think they think they're just going to plug in using a wall outlet, which you can do, but then it takes forever to charge. And I think it becomes a hassle and you're leaning down to an outlet and it's, I don't know. I don't think I've seen research that suggests that people are not plugging in their plug-in hybrids and that's a shame. Yeah. Well, they should. I mean, if you're going to say, especially, I mean, you would think people would do a little more research to save money on gas. Now that gas is like five and a half bucks a gallon, you would think that, okay, well, this whole like hybrid thing let's let's not do the hybrid part let's just do the electric part <laughs> you know yeah um, i'm with you let's skip the hybrid stuff yeah absolutely all right uh and and let me ask you this i have not uh, been uh you know because uh, uh i used to go into work and we would park in the parking lot uh like a big parking lot uh, underneath the building uh when i was working over at uh, on wacker at gn before they canned my ass <clears throat> sorry um and uh, they used to have tons of spots in this parking lot, uh, in the building, in the hotel, and otherwise, for people to charge their cars. Uh, is more real estate being given to that now uh, in parking lots? Do you see more slots for electric cars? You are. What, what you're seeing more of, I think, is just the expansion of the commercial for-pay charging system. So Electrify America, um, EVgo, those networks, and those tend not to be in parking garages. I think the parking garage thing is going to be for tenants primarily or for people who use that property, and I don't think that's the way most people are going to be able to go. Okay, so it's all while you're at work you can charge or if you live in that building. Because this was a high-rise slash hotel. I mean, you've, yeah. you know, down, down in the loop, there's a ton of those underground parking lots for business buildings and for hotels and stuff like that. And there yeah. are huge sections of those parking lots that are dedicated just to the, uh, to the electric car. Yeah, and I think largely those aren't part of a, a commercial network. Those are offered by the building to tenants, and I don't know what they pay to use them. Mm, okay. All right. Well, that's interesting to see how that develops. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, um, a, 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 any news as to, you know, um, whether gas prices are going to go down? Have you, I mean, have, are people, I'm, I'm assuming because you're a car guy, people are asking you, hey, uh, any, any, any chance that the, that the gas price is going to go down that we see in the future? It'll be fun to watch what happens, fun if you're not paying for gas, Uh, fun to watch what's going to happen over the next 90 days because it seems like OPEC is interested in opening their their spigot a little bit because they want to get in on this this really good gas or oil price, and that should drive down prices of a barrel of oil at least. So I think we're going to moderate over the summer, even though demand is supposed to go up over the summer. It's interesting to me how people make it political. You know, it always uh-huh. makes me nuts. Are people like, well, you know, now that this guy's in office, the gas prices are blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It makes me nuts when, when they politicize it, when in fact, I mean, you can politicize everything, 
But you know what? The, the, the person in the White House has nothing to do with what the gas price is. I think people need to understand that. You know? No, it's weird because there was, <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was almost nothing that Donald Trump or Joe Biden could do about gas prices. No, it's absolutely not, with, not. Yeah, it's not within yeah. the purview of the office. And, and the other thing is it was like everybody was like, you know, at one point they were like, well, you know, when Trump was in office, gas prices weren't as high, especially like uh, last year at this time. Well, you know, last year at this time, uh, there was a, you know, there was a goddamn pandemic lockdown, so nobody was driving. <laughs> You know what I mean? So Yeah, let's supp- not forget that. Let's yeah. not forget. You know, one of the things is <laughs> supply and demand. I don't know if you know about that, but, you know, during the last part of Trump's, uh, you know, uh, being in office, there happened to be a pandemic when no one was driving. So, yeah, gas prices went down. So, I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, OPEC will jump in and, we'll, you know, it'll be more manageable. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, 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 other than that, plug your car in, everybody, if you can. <laughs> Clearly. All right. Uh, so I have uh, these. These are common questions that people are terrified to ask. So uh, I don't I, I'm not terrified to ask you one because I don't have a car. So it, <laughs> and two, I'm just asking you the questions. And, I, and, and my guess is that there are folks who are listening to the podcast right now who these are questions that they want to ask, but they don't want to sound dumb. You know what I mean? All right. So and you get that right. I mean, you can understand that people just don't want to ask like dumbass questions to you. You know. Oh yeah. They might be a little intimidated by a guy a guy so loaded with car knowledge like you, Tom. So, right. All right. You ready? All right. Yeah. All right. Here's the first one. This is a one a common question. How often should I t- check my tire pressure? I'm just a regular dude asking you that. How often should I check te- check my tire pressure? Well, in a perfect world, people would check their tires every time they get gas. But in reality, that's not practical and no one wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Basically, you should do it when the seasons change and the weather changes because that's when the tire pressure tends to vary a lot. And, and that'll have the biggest impact on fuel economy and on ride comfort and on tire life. So you should do it when the seasons change and they will do it when you change your oil. So if you're getting your oil changed, ah. make sure they do it. And, and uh, uh, oil changes, uh, you know, it, 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 and here's the one thing that, that I learned over the years uh, when I drove and I had cars and I owned cars. Uh, get your oil changed when you're supposed to get your oil changed. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, it adds, uh, you know, if you regularly get your oil changed, it's, it's kind of shocking how much longer your car will last if you do that on a regular basis. And that's, it's a pretty simple thing, don't you think, Tom? It is. It's easy to do. It got a little bit more expensive recently because most cars now take synthetic oil and that raises the price a lot. But you should do it. And you get some of that money back in improved fuel economy. And you're going to get some of that money back in in, in reduced maintenance costs. And, you know, and and, and over the years, you know, when, you know, uh, these oil change places, these Jiffy Lubes popped up, there's like a Jiffy Lube or an oil change, 10 minute oil change. Well, not 10 minutes, but a quick oil change place. Yeah. Every other block now, so there's really kind of no excuse. You can, and especially if you go to a regular, you know, like a regular place uh, to get it done. But yeah, I mean, you can go to a Jiffy Lube uh, up and down the street, seriously. And I don't understand why people just just don't do that. I don't know, and they should. It, it, neglecting your car is a bad idea, and some people get away with it forever, and you wonder how it works. And some people end up with a total tra- a total transmission or engine failure. And you're like, oh, that is so expensive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't even get. Should, should we? Should we? Con- should Should we continue to talk about my Firebird? Is that something we need to do? Uh, the seventy seven. How that that thing spent more time in the uh, the repair garage than it did, uh, you know, in my driveway. Well, I didn't have a driveway, but on the street. 
So, 77 Firebird, man. Oh. I think I mentioned this before. The Firebird and the Camaro were both built in Van Nuys, California. It was largely understood to be the lowest quality factory in America. <laughs> I can attest to that, Tom. I, am, I, <laughs> I, I can attest to that. And, uh, I mean, I loved my Firebird. It was a damn cool-looking car. And they were gorgeous. Oh, so cool. And I felt really badass behind the wheel. And it was all hood and no tail. You know what I yeah. mean? I just I loved that. It was, it was weird to, to start, you know, when you first start driving that car when you're going to parallel park. Uh, you have to, like, change your measurement a little bit because the hood is 14 miles long. <laughs> on the, the, the front end of, of the Firebird, the 77 Firebird that I had, seemed like it was a mile and a half long. Just insane. But a fun car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, despite the fact that I spent tons of money fixing it. All right. Uh, let's do one more of these questions. I'll, 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 okay. sparse, I'll sparse these out as, you know, uh, during our visits. But one more. This is another car... A common car question that people are terrified to ask. When should I change my transmission fluid? There's another common car question that people are afraid to ask. When should I change my transmission fluid? And uh, has that changed with the, with the modern, uh, modern, modern elements of the car? Yeah. One of, one of the reasons that we know life is better is that we don't have to do stuff like this as often as we used to. Yeah. When I worked at a gas station in the 80s, I think you were supposed to do it every 30, 35,000 miles, depending, uh, depending on the vehicle. Now it's generally something like 90,000, 110,000 miles, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it might not even be necessary then, but you should do it. But the actual answer is just check your owner's manual. It's really uncommon that you have to do that very often these days. Oh, so it's not even, okay, that's not even a... So, that, so then the person should feel stupid for asking you that question. <laughs> All right, I think we've got that one out of the way. All right, cool. Uh, okay, let's talk about some of the things that you uh, that you uh, that you sent to me. Um, yeah. The the, uh, dr- the Chevrolet Bolt prices. Let's talk about that, man. There have been some price cuts with the Chevrolet Bolt. First of all, tell me about that car, and then uh, uh, the history on that one. Of course, w- did the name come from? Uh, the animated movie is that where, <laughs> is that yes. where it came from? <laughs> Tell me about yeah, the car so, and, and the price and the price cuts. Yeah, this is an interesting story. General Motors, the parent company of Chevrolet, on the verge of doing an awful lot of electric stuff. Uh, very interested in kind of getting its sales numbers up. The Bolt, which was introduced, I think for twenty sixteen, might have been fourteen. Can't remember. Very likable small electric car. Good range, uh, fun to drive, a lot of stuff going on there. Suffered a little setback in that there were some underhood fires. So, about eighteen underhood fires. Wait, forced- wait that's a, that's a little setback. <laughs> well, yeah, it was it was actually a monumental setback okay. because this is a PR disaster for a company yeah. that wants to be taken seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as an electric car company, and and the the media was all over it. So General Motors. Uh, went the most expensive but safest route and replaced the battery in all 100,000 vehicles wow. uh, that were out there. Very expensive. But the good news is that vehicle, now they fixed the problem. It's been redesigned, really just freshened for 2022. Uh, an even more likable vehicle. I just drove it, and it's it's simple to drive. It's fun to drive. There's a new crossover version they call the EUV This thing's ready to go. It's fun car. And they already had fairly reasonable prices on these. But General Motors seems keen to make a statement in terms of sales numbers. 
So they've lowered the number, the prices like crazy for 2023. So the base Volt with about 260 miles of range, just under $27,000. This new crossover version, just under or just over $28,000. Really? These are insane prices. And it's important to know that General Motors no longer qualifies for the federal tax credit. But there is still an Illinois tax credit that applies to these vehicles. And that's $4,000. So if you qualify for that, you can get a Bolt for as little as twenty three grand plus tax, which is crazy. That is unbelievable. Wow. Um, and how many of them are out there? I mean, you know, if, if, you know if, if they can actually replace the batteries in every one of them ever made. <laughs> that was back, what, six years ago, as you said, something like that. Yeah, they've sold about 100,000 of them, and they're really keen to sell an awful lot of them, even at a loss, because they just they want to be recognized as, as one of the best-selling electric car manufacturers. So they're going to take the hit on these cars, sell a lot of them, and, and hopefully this is going to help them while they introduce more expensive vehicles. They've got a new Cadillac EV coming out. They've got a new GMC EV called the Hummer, of all things. Uh, that's launching <laughs> no, right is now. It, is it really it's called the Hummer? Yeah, it really is. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. man. Now, a, lot let me of people, ask, a lot of eye-rolling there. I bet, man. I bet. Well, okay, let me ask you this, though. With the, because they're, they're, they're pushing to get these out, they want to sell every single one of them. There haven't been that many made. Uh, what's the maintenance like on this? Like, is it difficult to get these kind of cars repaired? Do people suddenly go, no, I don't want to get that car because there are only 200,000 of them. Maybe the parts aren't available. Maybe it'll be hard for this thing to get repaired or for maintenance to be done on a car with so little of them being made. Is that, uh, is that a hurdle? No, they sold about 100,000 of the first version. The freshen version is on sale right now. They're just rolling out. I just drove one of the early pre-production versions. Uh, very likable car. But in terms of maintenance and cost, once you own the car, it should be very affordable to drive, especially if you have your own charger. Um, Charging is very cheap in Illinois because we don't pay that much for electricity here. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> Compared to places like California, we're, right, yeah, we're actually in the bargain part of, right. the, <laughs> of the scale. Um, are there any cars that, are, that, that, that you would not recommend or you would be cautionary about it because they're hard to, to get fixed? Are there cars out there that have parts that, uh, that are not common among any kind of like regular auto uh, repair places? Yeah, I, I would avoid used Jaguars and used Italian vehicles in the U.S. (laughs) They just haven't sold a lot. The supply chain of parts might be thin, uh, and you're going to be the reliability of both vehicles is fairly low too. So I almost never recommend an extended warranty, but on those vehicles, I might. Okay. Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. Uh, So let's get to another uh, uh, topic here. Uh, Tell me about the the Electra name being back. That Buick is bringing the Electra. That always another one of those great car names. That, it's a great uh, car name. Oh yes, it's so been what, around forever. Okay, I think it was abandoned in the late eighties, early nineties. But what a great name! And the Electra name is going to be brought back for Buick's predictably electric vehicles. Um, we just talked a little bit about Cadillac rolling out an electric vehicle this year. That's called the Lyric. This is going to be Buick's version of that car. Uh, the first Electra will be. There's, they, and they, to, they plan to use the Electra name as sort of a range brand. So there'll be the, something like the Electra 1, the Electra 2, Electra 3, something like that. Uh, so we'll hear a lot about that name. Wow. Okay. What's it look like? I mean, I'm, looking at, I'm actually looking at it uh, right now. Kind of a cool-looking car. Yeah, and that's a total tease. That is a coupe, unfortunately, and Buick has no intention of building a coupe. That is the Wildcat, the Wildcat concept. We're not going to get that, unfortunately. 
Um, it's just that no one wants to look at crossover concepts. So manufacturers oh, I see. still do coupe and sedan concepts, even though Buick hasn't sold a sedan in, I think, 18 months or so. Really? Well, yeah. the Wildcat concept, what is, so we're not going to see, so how can they get away with, like, you know, putting these pictures out there if that's not what you're going to get? I don't know. Total scam. Uh, Wildcat's <laughs> a great name, too. It's a yeah. good-looking car, and I guess they could showcase um, style and, and other elements that they think they're going to use moving forward, but no coupe coming from Buick anytime soon. Man, that, that's a very cool-looking car, though, I got to say. It is. And it's, for, it's very futuristic-looking. Doesn't it feel like a, the kind of car that you would see in a 1970s science, fi- science fiction movie? <laughs> it looks exactly like that. It does. It's pretty badass. Like, I see Harrison Ford driving this thing. I don't know why. But the Wildcat. Well, do you have, we've talked about this before, but maybe throw a few more names out there. Your favorite car names. Do you, have, do you have some favorites from the past? There are so many of them. I do like Wildcat. I'm trying to think yeah. about other Buick and Chevy names. Um, I, I always liked Pontiac names because they were places. So I've always liked Bonneville and, and Catalina. <laughs> they also they always sound kind of wealthy and vacationy. I I don't know how these. Do you think guys just sit around? People just sit around a table drinking, going, "All right, well, what are we going to name this thing?" Uh, yeah, I don't know. The Cordoba. That uh, that sounds good. Uh, I don't know where they where they where they come up with some of these names. Like Wildcat. That's that's the that was my high school my high school football team. We were the, the Luther North Wildcats. So that's whenever I think Wildcat, whenever I hear Wildcat, I think, you know, that was what we were. We were, we were the Luther North Wildcats. I always wonder about the decisions that were made long, long time ago where, where like, oh, we just used yeah. number for a while. Yeah. It was just 88 and 98 and 86 and 96. Very strange. And, and I think consumers were more engaged in those, days, in those days and actually understood what these numbers meant. I don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah, I don't think it's just strange. It's just strange how they name stuff. We've always talked about that. Uh, historically, Buick. How have uh, how have they done quality wise and sales wise? I mean, that's a that's a big name. I mean, are, are they still doing well? Is Buick still a name to 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 like? Yeah, Buick has historically been the number two branded General Motors back when they had the latter, which in descending order was uh, Cadillac, Buick, Oldsmobile, Pontiac, Chevy, um, mm. and and. As that, it was always referred to as the doctor's car, the doctor's division, and that worked pretty well for them, sort of a less flashy Cadillac. But quality's been good for the last few years. They've been doing very well in J.D. Power surveys. Um, Sales number's not great. They're just down to five crossovers in the showroom right now, so they need a jolt of interest, and I think that the Wildcat concept will help with that. And then rolling out their first electric car is going to be a big deal. Yeah, and I would imagine that that's a – who has not – done uh, uh an electric car have, have there and have there been any corporations or car or, or companies that have like said i'm not we're not going to do the electric car have there any been have there any any places that have refused you know the interesting foot dragger in all of this has been toyota the largest car maker on earth at the i was going to say that's really weird right it is weird it's it's very strange they do have one out now and it, it feels like they're not fully committed to it it's the bz 4x and it's a compact crossover because that's what everything is uh and it's a nice car i just drove it it's not that exciting it's not that great looking um and it's not priced that far below some of the evs that are coming out now so we have to wait and see what toyota is going to do but toyota committed so early to hybrids like the prius for example and then hybrid versions of their other cars that i think that they really wanted to milk that for a little while longer yeah, Prius, Priuses are very popular, are they not? Or I know I, there was a, there was a period of time where 
um, I, had, I would be watching TV or reading something or hearing something and Prius this, Prius that. Everybody had a Prius. Is that still, is that still an incredibly popular car? It is not. It was forever, though. You're right. It, for a while, they were, they were getting close to a quarter million units a year, and there were Jeez. a couple of versions. There was the Prius V and the Prius C. They were great cars. They were insanely reliable and insanely efficient. And because they were so popular and so efficient and so reliable, uh, the resale value on them was bulletproof. So the ownership experience was extremely, uh, exceptionally high. People were very happy with those cars. Yeah. And so, so they're just not as popular anymore. Just because people have moved away from cars in general, and because Toyota started selling hybrid versions of its other vehicles. Oh, I see. Okay, all right. Yeah, I just remember the Prius was the deal. Everyone's like, was. "Yeah, I got, I got a Prius." Oh yeah, well, I got a Prius too. You know what I mean? Like, it was a big thing. Yeah, it was the kind of thing too that auto journalists themselves bought, like Volkswagen diesels and Priuses. Is that what are some of the other cars that you guys in the business? You know, are, are there certain uh, types of cars that people in your business just? Uh, tend to 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 buy or or like yeah one one thing to remember is that auto journalists have no money so they're always skewed <laughs> towards the lower side of the market and as we mentioned <laughs> yeah like the volkswagen jetta diesel was very popular with journalists the prius was popular with journalists and subarus tend to be popular with journalists why is that just because of the price um because the all-wheel drive system is very good and that's cool and, you know, my wife and I were on our second, uh, my wife and I went through this whole thing. We didn't own a Prius, but we did own a Jetta diesel and we've owned two Subarus. So uh, it also makes sense. Subaru resale value has always been very high. So you can own a car for four or five years and trade it in and do really well. Mm. Uh, so it, it, it just kind of works on a, uh, a sort of a financial clever level. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I'm glad that you pointed out that uh, uh, that automotive journalists have no money. I, yes, uh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm glad you glad you pointed that out so that people didn't get any kind of uh, uh, mistake about that. So, um, in your daily blog, you guys write about a lot of fun stuff, and uh, some of them are great picture galleries that uh, uh, that we talk about uh, for people to check out. So you can check out the daily blog at Consumer Guide Automotive if you want to check out um, a look at the dealer uh, addendum stickers. You have a gallery of those. Now, explain what that is for people who might not know the technical term of what that is. And it's, just, it's a pretty simple thing. What is that? Yeah, an addendum sticker usually means that you're being shafted at a dealer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There, there it is in black in and white, nutshell, everybody. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it, it is a sticker that is applied next to the actual required by law window sticker. That's mm-hmm. usually known as the Maroni label. That was Senator Maroney, okay. who, yeah. who pioneered this back in the 50s. Uh, but the addendum sticker, which yeah. has become incredibly popular right now because cars are in such short supply, um, is just a place where things are added to the price of the car, often things of no value whatsoever. And you're seeing lots and lots of them right now. Now, I'm looking at some of the pictures. They're hard for me to see. I'm looking at them on my phone, so I'm not, I'm not able to. I'm, I will be able. I'm, I'm kind of blowing them up as I go along. But what are some of the things that are added? I mean, this is I'm looking at some of these, and it's, com- it's, it's completely absurd. And they're all like, most of them are just kind of like, they're, they're just, you know, addendum stickers, just kind of like somebody just took a pen and wrote, yeah, this is going to cost. You know what I mean? They're all like added like they were written in ink. They, did, they don't look official at all. You know what I mean? No, they don't. And these are all from a single dealership near my daughter's college. Oh, oh wait a minute. So these are – I didn't read that. They're, they're all from the same dealership? They are. And, oh. and this is a, a Chrysler Jeep uh, Ram uh, dealership and Dodge dealership. Okay. And, and it's interesting that almost every single uh, vehicle here 
merits a five thousand dollar markup. Uh, what? <laughs> they're just Why? adding five thousand dollars to the sticker because cars are hard to find now. Um, and yeah, it was written by some guy who looks like he was forced to be right-handed uh, with a marks a lot. It's... <laughs> He was forced to be right-handed. Uh, okay. You know what, Tom? I'm a lefty, and when I was a kid, I was forced to be right-handed. I'm not kidding. Yeah, my mother, too. That did yeah. not. I'm left-handed, but they let me be. Yeah, no, I, my, my mom had to come to school. She had to come to school and say, hey, listen, you know, my son's left-handed, morons. <laughs> and, you know, you and I are the same age, but, yeah. like, when it happened to me, I went up to, I'll never forget this because I'm a lefty. And I, and when it happened to me, I went up to the, this was like first grade. And, uh, so in first grade, that would have, for me, that would have been maybe 1971, probably first grade. Yeah. 70, yeah. 71, 71. And she told me to go up. The teacher told me to go up to the, to the, uh, to the chalkboard. And I did. And when I put the piece of chalk in my left hand to write something on the board, she slapped my hand and put it in my right hand. Oh, and then I started to write with my right hand, and it wasn't comfortable. And I was just, you know, I was a little kid, so I put it back in my left hand and started writing. And she slapped my hand. And every time I would go up or put a writing implement in my left hand, she would slap the hell out of my hand until I put it in my right hand. And then I told my, my parents, and my mom came to school and met with the principal and said, Hey, uh, here's a newsflash. My, da- my son is left-handed. Um, but here, you, you, know, you, know, you know, as a lefty, Tom, you know this, that, we've, that the world is against us. You know that. Yes. Um, and, uh, uh, and that it's bullshit and it makes me angry, but here's the thing. Uh, I was, so like I said, that was probably 1971 and the woman was, the woman, the teacher was well past retirement. Like she was probably 80. Okay. Which means that she, uh, was born and lived at a time when left-handed people were devils. Remember right, when they were evil. <laughs> right. So I think she still believed that because she was like an 80-year-old woman in 1971 who saw a six-year-old kid with, you know, with the chalk in his left hand and immediately thought, oh, my God, this is the kid from The Exorcist, even though it was before The Exorcist came out. But, but that, that <laughs> actually lived. So, so you said, you, who was it, your mom? My mom, yeah, when she was a kid, when she went to school, they beat the left-handedness out of her. Isn't it was it? brutal. It's, I mean, it's, it exists. I can tell you. I was a part of that. I mean, you know, like, I mean, it didn't happen to me, but it almost happened. So anyway. All right. So the fact that you said that, though, makes me laugh is that this guy was forced <laughs> to write right-handed. Um, but let me ask you this. Because you went out and you took the, Did anybody notice you taking pictures of the, of the stickers on this one lot? Did anybody come out and go, hey, what are, you, what are you doing? Did they do that at all? No, I was lucky because it was Sunday. So dealers ah. in Illinois are uh, closed by law on Sunday, luckily, okay. so I could sneak around unnoticed. <laughs> well, what were the things that were consistent uh, about these addendum stickers that they were jacking up the prices on? Just random, not randomly, but $5,000 is kind of a random number, even if it is round. Every single vehicle has a $5,000 <laughs> add-on sticker, except for one, and that's the, grand, the new Grand Wagoneer, which is a very expensive car anyway. Uh, and to that, they've added $10,000. So the actual, someone wrote sales price with an arrow. And there's nothing <laughs> to sale about it. $114,770. Jesus. What, what, what the heck? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. How, so they, there's, no, there's not no law or some rules against this. They can just jack it up anytime they want. Addendum prices can just be added. There's no limit. There's no law. 
Yeah, the interesting thing about the franchise system is that all car dealers are independently owned. So manufacturers uh, have very little control over this process. Yeah. And because cars are short right now, manu uh, dealers can charge basically what they want to. And they're really only limited by their concern for how they're going to be perceived in the future. But this is their chance to capitalize. And a lot of dealerships and a lot of dealer networks right now are earning record profits selling fewer vehicles because they could just charge so much for these cars. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And it's it like the Wild West. It is. It's, why it's the Wild West out there. Wow. Man, all right. Well, I, I guess I can just, you know, if I open up a business, I can just, yeah, I can jack up the price any any. Anywhere I want with my left-handed slash right-handed friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so have you been back to that, uh, uh, to that dealership at all? No, I need to go back, and I need to go other dealers, too, because the, the particular vehicles listed here, not all of these are actually, I think, in that hot demand. So I think that uh, a lot of this is wishful thinking on the part of the dealer. The sure. Jeep Wrangler is always hot. And, and the, Grand, the Grand Wagoneer, which is a brand-new full-size vehicle, about the size of, like, a Suburban. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's hot yet. It's hard to tell. But asking $10,000 over sticker might be optimistic there, too. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, well, you can check that out in the Daily Drive blog, uh, see the, uh, the addendum stickers, because they're really funny. It's just like, yeah, it is. It, it's just like somebody had a Sharpie and went, five grand. And then... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so Did stupid. it over lunch. <laughs> it's so stupid. All right. Uh, this is I, You guys have so much fun on the Daily uh, Drive blog there, Consumer Guide of Automotive. After dark, classic car ads set at night. Because you know, Tom, it, cars are much sexier at night than they, they are, are during the day. They so much sexier. Are. Tell me about the ads that you found, because these are not only commercials that you have the videos to linked up to on the, on the blog, but also uh, print ads. What are some of your favorite... Uh, car ads and why are cars sexier at night my friend i don't know exactly why they are but the colors just work and obviously metallic paint works pretty well as uh, in, in with the glow off of like street lights works so well but one of the things that we miss now i think is is magazine ads for cars and up until the 70s maybe the mid 60s most of these ads were hand drawn these were drawings or paintings, and, and they're just spectacular. Even even yeah. if they exaggerate the size and shape of the car, the art is just completely worth acknowledging. Yeah, there's some beautiful, I mean, seriously, there's some of the art. And again, just to, to remind folks, you guys have stacks and stacks of magazines and old periodicals and old catalogs and old books and things like that that you go through. And some of the stuff that you find is just remarkable and beautiful and oftentimes hilarious, correct? Yeah, our sister publication, Collectible Automobile Magazine, is responsible for a lot of these archives. So I'm always yeah. digging into their stuff. Do you have a favorite? Uh, do, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, and it's free. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good thing, considering car journalists don't make a lot of money. Exactly. Uh, so <laughs> tell me about the, the commercials that are your favorites, the nighttime commercials that are your favorites. I found this, this Volkswagen ad, and it's not from the U.S. It's from the U.K. It's a very strange ad, and it's longer than a minute. But it's just this Jetta driving around after dark with some very strange pratter in the background. But it's a really well-shot ad. Yeah. And, and I, I'm interested in it because it doesn't seem to exaggerate the car much. But, but a Jetta's not a great-looking car. So it's all about the experience of being on the road. Uh, love this ad. It, it's, you can watch it at, uh, in the article. Okay. How about the Saturday night sizzle of that Mustang? That's that's a <laughs> Saturday night sizzle of a 1981 Ford Mustang. 
about the great that? thing about that ad too is is that in 1981 no cars were good and the mustang <laughs> and the mustang wasn't much better but this ad is pretty cool yeah it is saturday night sizzle baby how about the night belongs to charger 1977 dodge Charger. now the chargers are cool cars that is i that is actually the the dodge version of the cordoba just to, ah, just to set the table there. But this ad is incredible. The green lights in the background, this car yeah. driving on what appears to be a wet street. That is yeah. very cool. It's very, very cool. The Plymouth Fury, which was the – this is a 68 Plymouth Fury. Doesn't look at all like Christine. Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> doesn't at all. Uh, you got a 63 Oldsmobile uh, here being all sexy. And then, of course, you know uh, – the uh, the Cadillac Seville from '83, uh, you know that you parked that one in front of your jet, the jet that you own, according to this. I love that ad. I don't know what kind of jet. I don't know planes, but there's like business happening in the rain between the yeah. car and the plane. It's it's very something big is going down there. Someone just sold a golf course or something moved big. a couple of kilos. I don't know what's going on. I was going to say. I was going to say deal. for me, Tom, something big and. Clearly, something illegal is going on between <laughs> between these guys. It's fantastic. Well, check out these vintage ads; they're great, and that commercial, that British commercial. You mentioned the song "Driver's Seat." Yeah, uh, is that in the video? Because I haven't watched the video. Yeah, it's in the video. I I forgot about that song, and well, I forgot he, that I liked that song. Me? Well, here's here's why I always remember it. You know why? Uh, because it's in one of my favorite movies of all time. It's in Boogie Nights. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Okay. As, as many songs from the 70s are uh, and early 80s. But the, the, the reason why I always remember uh, Driver's Seat in particular is because my favorite character in that movie, you've seen Boogie Nights, correct? I have not. Oh, my God. Oh, I have not. Tom. No, it, it's actually on my watch with my daughter list. So oh, She's got oh. a lengthy list. Has your, has your daughter not seen it? Nope. Oh, no. You need to. Here's the deal. We're, we're done talking. You're going right now. <laughs> this interview is over because you're going to watch Boogie Nights right now. I can't even. I can't believe your daughter hasn't seen Boogie. No, this has to be rectified. Uh, if you have plans for the evening, cancel them. <laughs> um, anyway, Driver's Seat is used as one of it, There are like a hundred songs on the soundtrack of Boogie Nights uh, because it takes place in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, um, yeah. Amazing songs. And Driver's Seat is played uh, during basically the entrance and introduction of my favorite character in the movie. So that's why I always uh, remember it. But, oh, okay. uh, but anyway, so, uh, all right. So w- what's your plans for tonight, Tom? Oh, that's right. You're watching Boogie Nights. I guess I'm watching Boogie Nights. <laughs> I'm insisting upon it. I, 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 you, you know, you guys will love it. You guys will love it. I don't know if it's a big father-daughter movie, but, but I'm not sure. Well, uh, my daughter is, is 22 now, and we're now yeah. into cinema together. So Well, that's as we, cinematic as it gets. Yeah. I mean, it really is, and it's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who made my right. favorite movie, my favorite movie of all time, Magnolia. That's my favorite movie ever. Um, so yeah, but you need to, man, you need to watch that. I'm just stu- stunned. Sorry, well, you're, you're more stunned too that my daughter has not seen Magnolia. And Your I, daughter's I, not seen Magnolia either. No, oh. and I agree with you. That's a fantastic movie. It's my favorite movie ever, man. Oh yeah. man, you guys need to do a P. You, you need to do a PTA uh, uh, festival. I'm telling you right now. Have you seen Licorice Pizza? We watched the trailer last night, so that got okay. added to the list. Okay, add that to the PTA list. Which, by the way, that that can all we can all wrap it up because there's a long sequence in that movie that takes place during the gas crisis and oh. has and has people waiting, f people waiting in line to get gas. There's a whole subplot involved in, in that movie, so it Excellent. all comes around. All right, quickly. Speaking of watching things, you are 
the Star Spotter. Let's talk a little bit about that before we let you go. Before you are before you are off to watch uh, 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 Boogie Nights, and then your daughter will watch Magnolia after that because it'll be a nice six hour night of movies. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Star Spotter, tell me about that again. Oh uh, yeah, Car- uh, I, I watch a lot of westerns, and I watch some Perry Mason. And I'm always watching for people that shouldn't be in those shows because they seem just a little bit bigger time uh, than a walk-on uh, guy from Central Casting. Yeah. And I share them on Facebook, my and screenshot you... uh, on Facebook. I love them. I love them. Uh, and I, I'm just going to recap some of the ones that you've done since the last time we spoke. You got, a little, you got a little Dick Sargent. Yes. You got a little Dick Sargent. You got some Martin Landau. Always. Uh, Nancy Reagan popped up on weird. one of those shows. Was that one weird? Yeah. That one's weird. Also, she doesn't appear to be a good actress. My, that's no. just my thing. <laughs> Fantastic first lady, terrible actress. Um, yes. And, man, one of my favorites, one of my favorites, and you as a Star Trek fan, you must have went nuts. John Shuck showed up on, uh, on, one, of the, uh, on one of the Western shows. He did, yeah. And John Shuck famously uh, a Klingon. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. I think an ambassador in a couple of movies. Yeah, no, he was badass, John Chuck. He was also Yo-Yo in Holmes and Yo-Yo. Do you remember Holmes and Yo-Yo, Tom? I never saw it, and I just watched the trailer for it. There you go. You're watching all kinds of trailers, man. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, Holmes and Yo-Yo, uh, a cop and a robot, wackiness ensues. He played, he played Yo-Yo, the robot. That went like one season, right? It did. It was terrible, yeah. I, and I watched every episode. <laughs> but I have to say this, Tom. You've expanded your star spotter because now, in addition to actors and actresses that you spot, take pictures of, and go, hey, look, here, this person showed up on this. Now you're spotting writing credits. Yes. Speaking of Star Trek, go ahead and tell us all uh, who wrote a certain episode of what uh, show. Yeah, this is important because I think people forget about this. Gene Roddenberry, prolific screen uh, screenplay guy. Yeah. Uh, but he wrote an episode, and I know he wrote multiple episodes of Have Gun, Well Travel, and they're very good. And yeah. what you realize watching it is that they're very Star Trek-like, actually. In terms of what? Theme, style, it, it, you know, like theme, dialogue, style, stuff and, like and, that? And how things reduce to simple morality plays in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really they're rewarding to watch, and they're just very satisfying. Very cool. So Gene Rodmary, watch out for that. When did you become a Trekkie, uh, uh, Tom? Did you start as a kid? Were you into Star Trek as a kid? Because I know you love it. That was one I of do the- love it, and I, I don't watch all the series. But as a kid, I remember Channel 9, WGN in Chicago, used to run it at 9 p.m. The original. Uh, yeah, and I just, yeah. I, as much as I could, if my father didn't know I was doing it, I could watch Star Trek. And <laughs> it was just always really entertaining. And as a kid, it was really eye-opening. That was one of the screenings that you came out to, uh, to watch uh, you, uh, start Wrath of Khan. When I showed Wrath of Khan, uh, I believe you came out for that. If I did, yeah. And I, yeah. I always say Wrath of Khan is not a good movie, but it is a fantastic movie. Oh, man. I love Wrath of Khan. <laughs> so satisfying. Oh, my God. I love that. And that goes back to the old, uh, remember, remember the old uh, adage that all the even-numbered Star Treks are good? Remember when oh, that yeah. was the thing? Yeah, and that's actually true, even though even though the odd ones are kind of good, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, man. All right, Tom, always a pleasure, man. And uh, I'll keep watching the Star Spotter. You keep watching and driving cars. And uh, Consumer Guide Automotive, uh, ConsumerGuideAutomotive.com. Uh, Is that where everybody can check everything out? ConsumerGuide.com, yeah. ConsumerGuide.com. All right, I'll, uh, I'll see you later. And I know that at the, at the, at the moment that we disconnect here, you, will be, <laughs> you and your daughter will be watching Boogie Nights. <laughs> all right all right all right and when todd parker shows up at that party when driver's seat plays you'll know that he's the best so 
I'll watch for that. All right, buddy. Thanks, Tom. Take right. care. Take care. All right. Tom Appel, everybody. Uh, he's the best. Uh, that's always a lot of fun. You know what else is fun? Is when my dad shows up to tell a joke. Hey, here comes my dad. Oh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah, that's right. My dad tells a joke. My dad uh, has been telling jokes his whole life, and uh, I invited him to start telling jokes on my radio show many, many years ago, and I couldn't think of doing my podcast without my dad. So every Tuesday on the, uh, on the podcast, my dad stops by and tells a joke. Oh, well, hold on a minute. Yes, yes. I understand Hi, that I'm you... Carrie oh. Russell, and I love Nick's I know. show. Hold on. I know. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Dad, dad walk Nick past show. You got to walk past her. Just go past her. Okay. All right. Hi, Dad. Tell your joke, please. Two men were talking about a recent murder at the golf club bar. He said, you know, George beat his wife to death with a five iron. The other guy said, how many strokes? Oh, man. (laughs) Wow. All right. My dad telling a nice murder joke on a Tuesday. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Dad. I appreciate that very, very much. Okay. There you go. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. No, 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 Carrie. Get out of the way. Yeah, I know. All right. I know. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. (laughs) How many strokes? All right. Uh, hey, Esmeralda Leon will be back with us uh, for Friday's uh, episode. She always takes the uh, Tuesday off uh, for the for the people. And my thanks, speaking of for the people, my thanks to her voice bomb, the consumer man, and Tom Appel, our car guy from Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, and they will be back again first Tuesday next month. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. It's the Nick D Podcast again. Anytime you want to send us feedback, we want it via email, Nick D at uh, Nick D podcast at Nick at gmail.com. Nick D podcast at gmail.com. Voicemail 773-417-6948. My thanks to Jason Skaggs down in Houston. He's the man. He's the king. Does all the themes, all the music, all the craziness. And uh, when you check us out at RadioMisfits.com with all the other podcasts, we are available on every single format available online. Check us out. And please take the time to rate and review us. Please, feedback, rate and review on every platform. And uh, this is the Nick D Podcast. The next time we talk, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi. My uh, movie critic buddies will be here, and we will talk about all the big movie reviews, including that new damn dinosaur Jurassic thing where Chris Pratt runs around yelling and Jeff Goldblum says, what? That's my Jeff Goldblum. Anyway. All right. Thanks for listening. It's the Nick T Podcast. Uh, Again, on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.